0: Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky.
1: My daddy came home.
0: And here he is, ladies Everything and gentlemen, the one and only, only Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And, and happy holiday. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy. Um, Christmas. Merry Christmas. You want to say that? You want to say uh, Happy Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah. Yes. I've been trying to get you to say it properly. <laughs> yeah. I'm you, afraid. You to say don't it. say it like a Jewish person. No. Well, I'm afraid. It's not Hanukkah it. with an A. It's Hanukkah. Hanukkah. That's what you have I was a saying. glass of milk before you say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hanuk, it's a good but sound. Not, yeah, but you can't have the milk with the meat because that would not be kosher. It's not kosher. How yeah. do we get on that? Anyway, happy <laughs> holidays, everybody. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's that I'll my
1: game because I'm nervous because we've been
2: getting these uh, submit these phone calls late at night from Melania Trump. We got another. Didn't one? We already get in trouble over this. One. Well, before get, we, we've already I, I know what you're going to do, you're going to ask David to play it. And I want to point out something. And, yeah. and Megan, you're always like, oh, yeah, play it. Play I am it. not. I think you are, because listen. We could be in legal jeopardy, I,
0: Kellyanne. I, I understand this. And no. what has what
2: Melania said
1: on several? Do
0: not put this on air. Do
2: not put it on the air. Yeah.
0: Specifically, has said, and this, "Do if not." There's
1: one thing you can say about Trump: he never sues. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we're and sitting I, pretty
0: here. And I got
1: <laughs> Donald. We're only kidding.
2: <laughs> I get uh, emails from corporate. Uh, five times a day. But this week I got a call from corporate where they said, do you, and they brought in a lawyer to put me on a speakerphone and they oh, brought in an God. attorney from corporate. And they're like, <laughs> do you understand when someone says you may not use it in a broadcast, that's, that's exactly what when that you means. can't use it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so. And yet. Ho- and, and yet. And yet.
0: <laughs> Continues to be an issue. It? <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so it gets played.
0: Yeah. Now, uh-huh. I
2: don't know. Apparently, she called in something, because she, I never hear she these. She's a handler, yeah. man. The this answering is machine, good. the podcast office is at, they, it, it's a double office where he has his right. office, so I never hear these. So, you do have one?
0: Yeah, she left another late night phone call.
2: I tell you what, <laughs> let's play it. Why are these always late night? I think she's hiding. It's know. a call.
0: It's a cry for help. <laughs> well, Let, he's not even
1: at home with her. Well, don't well we don't know,
2: know that. We don't know where, we don't know. No,
1: that. she's in... Oh, no, that's right. They both are still in yeah, New yeah. York. Yeah,
2: I Tell you what, play it, and if she says don't play it, please stop it at that stop. point.
1: Yeah, yeah, at that point. And we all but have to promise then. to wipe it from our memory. It's like in a no,
2: court of law. They brought that up in this phone call with corporate. They said they heard you say the solution is forget you heard it, or somehow you that's were saying That's what a don't judge always it. tells a jury. Right. Wait,
1: if somebody says something no. that... The attorney from, from the
2: corporate said it does not work that way. If she says you can't play it, you cannot play
1: it. That's well, the very. I, I personally play. did not play it. <laughs> no, <I> <laughs> <laughs> David, why don't you play that? <laughs> well, uh, Still, yeah. David, if you could, <laughs> if you could just leave the lawyers your home address. Okay. Great. Uh, All right. Let's see what Melania let's, well, Trump Let's see what she said it, what she very says. Nice. it might be yeah. nice. Melania Trump. Hello, Jerry. This
0: is
2: Melania Trump.
0: I'm going to do something for you here, but. You must understand, you have no my permission to play
1: on aircraft. Now, hold on. See, she it. just
2: said, you do not, did she say, you do not
1: have my permission. She did not to play say, do, do not. She says, you know, have my permission. <laughs> yes, you know, have my permission. <laughs> you know, you have, know my permi- have my permission.
0: Well,
2: that is incorrect. English. See, you're making fun of her syntax. That's not right. No,
1: she said, you know, have my permission. So she could mean, I don't know. I think she's... we could get sued for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> right there. Let's hear the rest of it. She <laughs> may be. Me- <laughs> She may be. It may be the no with K N O W. Like I know she has. That's wow. true. We don't hit. Wow, there, you right? are a lawyer. You we know. forget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. When is is is? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's the wrong president. <laughs> I think we cannot play it. Should we? Should we not play it? No, we're, oh, no, we're playing oh. it.
0: We've got to play it. Get
2: some spine. <laughs> <laughs> let's ask the audience: Do we play it or not play it? Do you yeah. want to hear? Yeah. I mean, she- I guess we're gonna play it. From our
1: first lady to be, we yeah. would want to hear
2: from her. That's only respectful. All right, let's play it, and let's just hope that corporate can unhear this. Go ahead and play it. <laughs> okay.
0: I repeat, you have no permission to play this on your podcast. However, I have very specific notes for you for singing this song that you do at the end of your podcast. This is how it should sound. Sometimes I live in country. Sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take great notions. To jump into river and drown. Everybody, I need I- I- good night. How can you? I so need good night. <laughs> she, good night. She, she I- good it. night. I need. I see you in see you my dreams. I see you in my dreams. You see, Jerry. This is how it goes. Ciao, Bella. We talk soon. Oh.
1: <laughs> You got kisses. That was very nice. Yeah. So she yeah, listens. Well, she yeah, likes the song. Why would she be? Why would she not want that broadcast? I know. No. You know, <laughs> The Voice have... like that. How yeah. Was you... actually very yeah. good. She... Well, you know, if Donald is doing The Apprentice, she could be doing The Voice. Wow. wow. NBC too. She could. You yeah. Could. Wow. So that's it. They're taking over the whole network. Yeah. It makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's his plan. Here yeah. we figured it all out. Oh
1: no, I work <laughs> for NBC. R-robe. Oh my gosh, that's true. Yeah. I, I thought
0: s- The Voice was ABC.
1: No, no, the, is The Voice? No, yeah. The Voice.
0: I think The Voice is ABC. Yeah, but
1: no, The, the Apprentice is clearly NBC. Yeah. And I'm and, and I'm making fun of Donald. They could fire me. Yeah. See. See? It just seems but it had to get back to him personally. Would be this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
0: This is what brought you down? Yeah, it's funny.
1: <laughs> I support Donald Trump for the presidency of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, old face. Never thought I'd hear that. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just walked in and looked at you
0: like We're, I'm at the wrong podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm at the
2: wrong place. And it's yes. funny you mention that about income because it, it makes me oh. think of my Uncle Fred and my uncle my uncle I fred i can't told me the other day that megan me? he forgot to get a gift for his little daughter he's got like a I don't know, four year old daughter. How sure.
1: could he have a four year old daughter? Your, your uncle, uncle Frank?
2: It was one you of those You are
1: deals. <laughs> 70, 80 You <laughs> set it up no, properly. Your uncle must be 97. <laughs> and <laughs>
2: and now go. Now now gotta go. Oh, I gotta do. he got a four year old daughter. I Gotta do the backstory. That spiraled quick. My uncle <laughs> was my dad's brother's son. My dad's brother was probably two when I was born. And then he had a child late in life. And anyway, that's how it all happened. So my uncle (laughs) forgot a gift for his daughter, and he had to go to the store kind of on the run. He goes in, and he's in the toy store, and he sees Barbie dolls. You know what those are.
0: Yes, I'm I'm aware of what a Barbie doll (laughs) is.
2: And he says... Uh, <laughs> I do, too, shouldn't I? <laughs> over, <laughs> <laughs> goes over to the clerk and he says, I want to get one of those Barbie dolls. And she says, which one do you want? We've got uh, Barbie goes shopping, nineteen ninety-five. Barbie goes dancing, same price. Barbie goes to school, same price. Uh, uh, a Barbie goes to the beach. And uh, the other one, Barbie gets divorced, is $265. And he said, <laughs> $265? Why is it... 265, and she says, well, because it comes with Ken's house, Ken's car, Ken's boat, his golf clubs, and half his money. So,
1: um, anyway, I just made me think nope, of that.
2: Nope, nope, nope. No, it says
1: here on the <laughs> rundown you're supposed to tell a joke. <laughs> anyway. Let us know when that happens, Gene, well, well, please. That's my Uncle Fred. <laughs> my your Uncle, Uncle Fred. Well, you can understand. It's Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred. Yeah. Jesus. But, you know, uh, honestly, when I was born, I was so ugly, the doctor slapped my mother. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was so ugly that the doctor came into the uh, waiting room and said to my, and said to my dad, um, we tried everything, but he pulled through anyway. <laughs> oh, Jerry. No, no Mom took me to the amusement park. Really? Yeah, to Coney Island in New York yep. one day. And uh, I got lost. I was a little kid. And, you know, and I started crying, and I run up to a police officer, and I said, I can't find my mom. And he takes one look at me and he says, "Don't worry, there are only so many places you can hide."
0: <laughs> I like that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I lived. In you a, got,
0: Gene?
2: I lived in a rough neighborhood called Anderson Township in yeah, Cincinnati. Was, yeah, old, That's right. really rough neighborhood. I asked a cop through. one day, yeah. "How do you get to Bismarck Avenue?" So I don't know. No one's ever made it. But hey, anyway, Jerry. Oh my God, Jerry. Look at that right
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a, yeah. over the air oh, though. You said this is this is weird because this week and I'm I'm getting these calls and now today I got a FedEx. Really? It's it's a questionnaire from the Trump um, transition team on you.
0: Oh that's right, you're applying a- for applying
1: something. for a job. And they want me to answer the questionnaire. A reference, you mean? A reference. Well,
2: <laughs> help a brother you, out. I mean, you know, give him... Well, I hope you, well, or be honest, actually.
0: What does it say? So is this like an official, like it's, it's like... Yeah. Okay, like it's so on you're letterhead. you're really it's applying not...
1: for a job with Trump?
2: I am. Why? Uh, I'd like to have a dignified retirement. I'd like to up <laughs> my income and get more Social Security.
1: <laughs> Your, oh what job are you applying for?
2: The They call it the rope line director i am the person who makes sure that where his rallies the rope lines are properly put up and taken down so i make so sure So you put up, up the rope and i take him
1: down That is your job that Hopefully. is that position that's what he's You're hoping to qualified. do You're not qualified I mean I, you know god love you but I have a the questions i got them right here Does he arrive to work on time No No he doesn't And, and when he does we're both disappointed I know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So they're We're not even supposed to be asking
1: say, this kind of stuff. Yeah, does you work on time? Does he meet personal hygiene standards? <laughs> How about that one? <laughs> yeah, because every time I see you, I say, hygiene. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wowee. <laughs> That's just silly. It goes over better than the hearing aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <yeah>.
0: know.
1: <laughs> <Because> what's the <laughs> next job? Okay, what's the next question? Is he able to place items in a straight line? <laughs>
0: Let's see, can you cheat? No,
1: just that white powder. Um, what? 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 Why would I say that? I don't know. Because that's not you're, me you're at you're all. The that's really... I'm the what? what
0: happened tonight? I know. <laughs> Have you
1: ever noticed any behaviors that suggest he might be a substance abuser? Yeah. Yeah. He's constantly putting things in a straight line. <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing? You're not supposed to know that. Do you you like him? What? Do
2: you you like him? Yeah. Megan, you're an (laughs) HR manager. Do these questions sound like the professional ones. You no,
0: use? you're never supposed to, any more, you never ever, like give personal references, like from a prior employer, you're not supposed to do that. You're just supposed to say the dates that they worked for you. It's pretty illegal to do that now. Well, this oh, would, it because is? if you didn't like oh, him, seriously? yeah, you could affect him getting a job with the Trump transition team and how awful <laughs> would that be? <laughs>
1: I tell real, you what, I will
2: not. No, sue. no, that's the truth. You give 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 some good answers, seriously. Okay, I, I will give the best answers
1: I can. Five. And I think on the do but you frankly, like if him? I admit that I like you, then they're not going to hire you. That's also
0: very true. Yep, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, good point. Because why but I, think, would I think they just like want
2: to be around would. people probably that are okay to be around. you kind of well, enjoy uh, their is it so. annoying? Is that a category?
1: Uh, yeah, You're kind uh, of annoying. Kind of annoying, <laughs> yes. yeah. 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 I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, he's a good friend, but he's, he's a, really you know kind what? of a <laughs> the <his> butt, really. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> just, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Oh, on right. your nerves. sure certainly. does. Absolutely. Well, good luck in your job search. Yeah, I I, 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 can't imagine that oh, I'm, I'm going to get
0: you had to abandon Guinness Book World Records and, for
1: this. <laughs> what kind of dignified retirement? How much do you think you're going to make as putting up the rope at the rope line? I would think that that would pay about.
2: 30, 30, 40 grand a year is what I would predict. They haven't told me, but because yeah. you always wait. When you do, Megan, when you do interviews, you know, Jeez. they ask the questions and then you wait and then you get the question at it the is end. It's so
0: good. You're not, oh my God, you yeah. need not to be in the job. And that's first. what you ask
1: at the end. You say, well, how much? he's not going to last. I'll tell you why he's not going to last. You know, and this is true uh, Trump has his own security guys now. I I mean, I read that. Yeah, yeah. frankly, I think on a serious note, I think that's scary. I mean, that's, you know, that strikes me of dictators who walk around with their own private police, you know, and and they push people out of the way. They're pretty rough. They're the ones that uh, uh, literally punch some of the protesters at his rallies. And I don't know if you saw in the news last night, as people are walking into the Trump towers, there were some protesters and they came to the microphone where the press was standing. You know, because the press was asking them, uh, what are you protesting? And I think it had something to do with the environment or something like that. So they were going to interview. And this bully of a guy comes, grabs the mic, throws it down, and pushes the lady out of the way. I don't wow. even know why he's but, doing that, by yeah.
2: the way. I mean, that, that's unprecedented. I, of oh, course, I don't all know all of history. Yeah. But the Secret Service do a fantastic job. Why would you need to bring in your own people? Well,
1: because right, and except secondly, to going block to be out constantly.
2: protests and things. Yeah. Okay, so it's political. Oh, it's totally so, so that so that he they can stop things that are more political in nature that the Secret Service might be uncomfortable stopping,
1: like protests. Yeah, I think someone should take a look at that because that could really start being First Amendment violations. You can't have the security guards pushing the press away. The press is us. I mm. agree. Anyway, and you
2: know what? That may lead to something I wanted to ask you. I don't you. mean the
1: press is us because of what we do here. The press is we, the people of right. the United States of America. That's who asks the questions for us. So, go ahead.
2: Sorry. Well, it, it makes uh, it's a segue to asking something that's on a more serious note, and that is uh, what's your greatest fear of with Trump now that he got through the Electoral College? I didn't doubt that he would. He's going to be president. What's your greatest fear about him? It's simply that
1: he doesn't take the job seriously. And that is mainly an issue with uh, national security. And by his own admission, you know, he doesn't read. He doesn't read books. He doesn't read newspapers. Uh, He doesn't have a particular philosophy or ideology. He's just not that interested. But most scary, particularly with all the headlines that are going on in the world Today, he doesn't want all those briefings, the national security briefings that a president gets every morning. It is the very first thing every president does. The 9 o'clock meeting is the national security advisor and some other people involved in that work, they come and sit in the Oval Office, and uh, he gets the national security briefing about what's going on in the world, what are the trouble spots right now, anything happen overnight that you need to be aware of, any decisions we have to make. And he says, no, I know what all that stuff's about, and I'm a smart guy. If there's a crisis, I'll figure something out. Whoa. Now, this is the point I'd like to make. No one ever is prepared for their first year as president. Hillary Clinton probably was the most prepared person that would be coming into the office, and even she would have surprises if she had taken office. But never have we had a president, first-termer, on the first year be prepared. Even emotionally, psychologically, there is nothing that compares with it. I mean, really, imagine just for a second, you go in that first morning, and really, whether or not the planet survives, that day is in your hands. I mean, you've got to be scared. I don't care how cocky or confident you are, that's got to be scary. And in that first year, certainly in our lifetime, there have been some real big examples of the mistakes that a first-year president makes from not being prepared. Uh, the first one that comes to mind from my age, um, 73, is um, John Kennedy comes into office It's 1961 when he takes office. We are in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, The Soviet Union has been expanding uh, ever since it violated Yalta and started to turn the countries of Eastern Europe into communism. Pushes North Korea to invade South Korea and we have the Korean War. It gets involved in Indochina, which is we called Vietnam then, to get the expansion on the Pacific Rim. And so the whole history, as we said in another podcast, the whole history of Russia well before communism was they live and die on the issue of expanding, of finding access to warm water ports. That's Russia. The United States, from early in its history with uh, President Monroe, the fifth president, has the Monroe Doctrine. Our forefathers figured out pretty early that the one way America could stay relatively safe was that we would not permit any other European country to establish power in the Western Hemisphere. It was a big power decision. And now that you had the Soviet Union really starting to expand, Kennedy takes office. And this is the situation as he takes office. In January, January 1st of 1959, Castro, there's a revolution led by him, Batista is thrown out, and communism is now coming to be in Cuba. We can't have Soviet communism 90 miles from our shore. It violates the Monroe Doctrine. In this age of missiles, it's too close. America got scared. So... Eisenhower, still president in 1959, and in 1960, OKs a plan which would ultimately be called the Bay of Pigs, whereby we would get some Cuban expatriates that were now living in Florida, we would train them, and then they would invade Cuba to toss out Castro. That was the plan. The plan was approved by Eisenhower. Kennedy now becomes president. He doesn't know anything about this. While he was a candidate, he wasn't briefed on any of this. Now he's in office, a brand-new rookie. The generals all come and tell him, this is the plan. We just need you to give the go-ahead. And all the generals are there with the recommendation of Eisenhower, the five-star general, hero of World War II. And, and Kennedy was a lieutenant in the World War II. So he's thinking, with all these generals and Eisenhower thinking, this is a good plan, let's have the Bay of Pigs. And of course, as we know, the Bay of Pigs was an absolute disaster. And uh, the, the guys that went over there were all captured, and it took $53 million of aid to Cuba to bring them back eventually. But the Bay of Pigs was an absolute disaster. And it was the great failure of Kennedy's first year. He learned from that because the next year, 1962, is when we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. What he learned was that he's got to be really knowledgeable on this issue and not just take what somebody says, that's, you know, all these generals, and just say, okay, I'll do whatever you say. Because when Soviet missiles were discovered in Cuba by satellite, we all of a sudden, for 13 days, had the Cuban Missile Crisis, where the decision for the United States was, do we invade Cuba and possibly start World War III, or... Do we set up a blockade to stop Soviet missiles from being shipped over? Initially, the Security Council that met with Kennedy wanted an invasion. We've got the proof of the missiles. Let's just go and take them out. And if this was Kennedy's first year, he would have gone along with that. He'd say, all the generals are saying this. We got to stop the Soviets. I don't want to look weak. We're going to have an invasion. But he was now educated on this. He struck back against the generals and finally said, no, we're going to set up the blockade. And then with Bobby Kennedy, they had those letters that went back and forth. And behind the scenes, a deal was worked out. Khrushchev would pull back the missiles. And um, in a separate letter, several months later, we would take the Polaris missiles out of Turkey and Because we didn't need them anymore. We were now using submarine missiles, so we didn't even need it. But anyway, a deal was worked out. The world was saved from nuclear destruction. For those of us old enough to remember, and I was in college at the time at Tulane, 90 miles away, and I remember the students, we all went down there with our sandbags. We were putting sandbags up along the levee because New Orleans is below sea level, and we were getting ready, and the place was being evacuated. Parents were telling the schools were closed get out, you know, there could be missiles coming here. So that was We a were scary all in thing.
2: church going to confession. There's the
1: difference. Yeah. <laughs> you, they must have kept you late. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Quister. Quister. so um, anyway, the point of that is Kennedy learned, you know, if the Cuban Missile Crisis had been in his first year, we would have had nuclear war. This is what we're facing with Trump. You want another example? How about, which we all remember, 2001. It's August of 2001, and President Bush, George W., the second one, he gets a memo in August of 2001, and the memo says that bin Laden is planning to strike America using planes. It didn't say Air Force planes, but was just using planes. There was that information in the memo, which was at the time, disregarded. There was also information coming from the FBI in Arizona and the FBI down in Florida, where I lived. In fact, it was the same airport, um, where there were these guys getting flying lessons but had no concern learning how to land a plane. They only wanted to know how to take off. And that sent a red flag to the FBI. This information, because in fairness to George W. Bush... He was brand new in the presidency, had no real world affairs experience, didn't know any of this stuff, and you know what happened a month later at 9-11. The point is, if you're going to be president of the United States, the single most important job, 50 times more important than anything else you ever do in the White House, is keep America secure in this dangerous world. That is your job. And why everyone is just so complacent about the fact that he says, I don't need the briefings in the morning. I know this stuff. When we all honestly know that he doesn't know this stuff at all. It was never an interest of his. So he doesn't know it. We're nuts. In fact, as I speak, almost half... Of the State Department career uh, officials, there are about 400 underneath the cabinet head. About half of them have indicated they're leaving before he takes office. I mean, people are walking out that are in charge of our national security. This is really important. I don't know who you get to say, hey, Trump, before you go out and do another victory tour— Get your butt into the office there and read and learn and be tutored. And some of the people he's got around him, good Lord, you don't even want tutoring from them. You know, the crazy national security advisor, Flynn, the guy's wacko. So when you ask me, what's my greatest fear of Trump, all this other stuff, issues we feel strongly about, Mm -hmm. they pale in comparison to Whoops, something's going to happen, and this guy isn't prepared. Even if you love him, even if you're so happy he's president, you've got to admit that he doesn't know anything about this. Okay? So if you love this country, figure out some way to get his butt there to learn what is going on. We've had too many examples in our lifetime of the first year of a presidency resulting in terror or horror for our country.
2: Yeah. You know, it's hard to figure out. It's so well stated and so true. And it's frustrating because who knows what to do about it. Well... How do you get him to...
0: But even, you know, like in the comparisons that you made, Jerry, I mean, like George W. and, and, and all that, you can say what you want about them, but those gentlemen had been in the political sphere their entire life. They were at least somewhat familiar with how... He's got none of that, so... That's even a little more scary.
1: And the people he's putting around him are business people. Right. They could be great in business, but sure. what do they know about this stuff? Yep.
0: Yep.
1: Well,
2: time—you know—time yeah. will tell. And I got it. It's scary because it, you can say time will tell, but you don't want time to tell that there was some big thing that happens because of this. Uh, his amateurish attitude about it. Because I agree with you. If he said hey, I get it. I now feel the power of this office I'm about to take. I feel this ominous obligation, sense of obligation. I'm going to get busy. And if all the stories were about Donald Trump is somewhere studying, learning, talking, mm-hmm. we feel better. But he still has this rather blasé attitude about it. I don't know. Hey, we have Tim Easton with us. Let's hear it for Tim Easton. <laughs> And let me tell you uh, some things about Tim uh, from Nashville, and obviously that's one of the hotbeds, maybe one of the biggest hotbeds of Roots music, and there are some other places. We like to think that this tri-state area, its proximity to the Appalachian Mountains is probably a part of it, uh, and the whole history of mountain music and uh, bluegrass, etc., and uh, Tim is a singer-songwriter. Muddy Roots is that, well—that's not your record label, but you're going to perform in on Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day at the Muddy Roots, Muddy Folk Roots Festival. Festi- yeah. Muddy Roots Festival. One
3: week after the Whispering Beard Festival up here in this part of the country, I'll be down at uh, down in Tennessee at the Muddy Roots Festival. Okay,
2: and that's a big deal because they're they they are a big deal, and uh, we've had yeah. other artists, loads who- of
3: heroes, and and con- and contemporary friends, and and uh, great great songwriters. Yeah.
2: So that's uh, certainly uh, a good uh, entrance on your resume that you have that association. Hey, do a song for us, then we want to talk to you.
3: man steals from you, tell me what do you do? Yeah, hey, when a man steals from you, honey, tell me what do you do? You don't sit around complaining that there's nothing you can do. Well, I know he's lying, cause his lips are still blue. Well, I know he's lying, cause his lips are still moving Well, I know, I know, cause I used to be just like him I had a dream, I had a dream, that the president did come clean I had a dream that the president and Presidente did come clean. I had a better dream. I had a better dream. That Scarlett was kissing me. One man can't vote, cause he can't get his foot in the front door. When a one man can't vote, cause they won't let him in the door. I won't carry on working. For you liars and cheaters, playboys and playgirls, they're misleaders anymore. Flowers on the kitchen table, the TV's in the trash, flowers on the kitchen table, the newspapers in the trash. Sweetheart, sweetheart, please. going to play a different song. <laughs> i had hey, written Tim, down that I was going to play a different song, but you guys scared me so much that I just came up and did that one. Well, straight. there you go.
2: It was a good one. Uh, Tim, you're originally from Akron, Ohio, right? Yeah, I grew up there. I was born on the... Uh, my mom's Canadian,
3: so I was born on that, uh, the border up... I'm a border baby from yep. uh, up New York State way, but I grew up in Akron, Ohio. My dad worked for Goodyear, and um, we you know we lived there, and I lived in Japan for a while as a kid, so I've lived all over the world and I do consider myself kind of a citizen of the planet, and uh, I've done a lot of traveling. I was a street musician over in Europe for about seven years, too. So that, wow. That, uh,
2: and you just did a 45-day tour in Europe? Just I recently. did. I
3: did. I'm, I'm, um, I'm good and jet-lagged and, and crazed from uh, 45 days I was over there uh, during the election. And uh, I, I, I voted before I split. Uh, but then, yeah, I just got over there and was in Austria for the election. And I made this, I kept making this joke, like, I'm like, oh, I'll be... Uh, if 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 uh, if T Dog wins the election, uh, the Austrians will just shrug their shoulders and be like, "Oh, that's what happens," you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's exactly what they did. That's exactly, exactly the way. Yeah. That's the way they reacted. It was so uh, depressing. Oh, yeah. It was just dark. And then I went to Spain and got drunk for twelve days. It was there
0: great. you go. <laughs> Spain's good for that. It was. They they also
3: been through some stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yes. and the, the the writers and the the promoters and the great people over there, they like to you know take care of you and give you bring you into good food and stuff like that. But they also brought me to a cemetery in a small town called uh, Poreres in on Mallorca on the island they brought me to a spot where where fascists had lined up um several people mm. you know poets and artists and shot them and put them in a mass grave you know and um they brought me there the the exhuming was happening there was students there was archaeology students and mm. and uh that was happening and these guys knew that I was you know I was in in a of the, of the sort that might be fascinated or, you know, needed to be shown this and to to, to tell people about it. And uh, that was just something that was happening in a small town in uh, in Spain and, and um, well, in uh, Catalonia anyways. And uh, so, you know, that was just one of the things that happened to me over that, that journey was something else. Yeah. uh Do a second song, would you? Yeah. This one from the new album. This is a song... Uh, I didn't yeah I kind of was writing tunes
2: about the apathy of youth and stuff and by the way uh, people can get your music at Tim Easton T-I-M and E-A-S-T-O-N dot com right that's right okay that's right
3: this song is called Killing Time and at first I was just trying to make a uh, a joke about the the pun of uh, when you're killing time or wasting time and then when it's killing time and so I was making a little uh, uh, dark comparison to those two phrases watchful, preachy bitches, act like they ain't going to hell, but it's so true that as you get older, hindsight rings clear as a bell, I understand how much cooler it can be to act like You were sleeping on your generation's watch, your sworn enemies were shaking hands. They'll hang you like a broken door and sell you what you think you're living for. We're happy that you'll never. Be to never know. Remind me what we're fighting for. Just to get up and go to work. Eat your.
2: Guys, good song, good song. Thank you very much, Tim. Hey, would you take us out on "Goodnight, Irene"? And I don't know if Melania Trump's going to join in, but uh, I know Jerry will for sure. We could
1: get Melania in. I think she nailed it. I think she did. At least she didn't have the words in front of her. Right. right? <laughs>
3: Saturday night I got married Me and my wife Settled down Now me and my wife We're partying. I think I'll Head out on the town I ring goodnight I
0: live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com